Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now you can make those moments year-round with a Michael Phelps swim spa by our friends at Master Spas, and that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now Master Spas technology is incredible with LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America. Use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity, and Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, glad you're with us, and happy Thursday. Sean Hannity Show, write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. All right, so how bad do I sound on the air? Linda is like, take off, take off. you got to take off. I'm not taking off. I don't take off just because I'm coughing up my half my lung every time that I cough. Why, why, why do you always get in arguments with me? I'm not feeling good, and then you start arguing with me about I need to take off. There's something wrong with me. The world continues to spin, whether I'm here. Go ahead. Tell everybody what you've been yelling at me for the last hour. Well, why don't we take a poll? How many of no, you? No, I don't want Let's take a, a poll, poll, America. How, how many people America, want would you like, like your coworker or your boss oh. to come to work sick, make you sick, Coughing up along. I'm in your studio. I'm in a different room. You're hacking up loogies. It's a lovely (laughs) sight. 
no one is going to give you a hard time about taking I one day I, off. I, I, so, I, listen, America, I am not, go listen, on Twitter, uh, go on Facebook, no, don't, call don't, us at 800-941-SEAN. So we would love to hear your support you for Sean's day off. I pay you a lot of you money asked not to me, drive me nuts. You opened the microphone. Because you've been yelling at me for an hour telling me how stupid I would yell at I you am. for more if I had more time. Okay, but now you have to turn off your mic. I, I You know, here I am. I'm not already not feeling good. I am. Every time I cough up, it seems like half my lungs are coming up with it. I took an antibiotic. So I'm, I'm, you know, hopefully one day it'll kick in and work. It so far hasn't done it. The reason is, is because I didn't you won't take a trip. day off. No, that's not the reason. A day off is not going to make me better. It's got process. The process has to work itself out. The reason is, is because we went to Israel. I didn't sleep on the way there. I left. I was up most of Wednesday night. I landed 10 o'clock in the morning Israel time. I worked till 2 in the morning Israel time. Then was up at 6 a.m. after two and a half hours sleep. And I went a full day till midnight when I got on the plane to go home. What? Midnight, Saturday morning Israel time, landing in New York at 5 a.m. on New York Saturday time. With very little sleep for all those days. So I literally have, I'm on, uh, the gas tank's on empty. So I come in, I just happened to mention to you, or you mentioned to me, you didn't like me. You you actually saw me coughing, and I had a bit of a Hillary coughing fit. Go home, go home. I told you not to be here. You shouldn't be here. I'm like, I am 55 years old. I am a grown man. If I'm dying, I won't show up. You know what? The average person listening to this program is like me. If And by the way, I'm not infecting anybody at work. Nobody is. It's not even. I talked to my doctor. I'm not even infectious. Any, it's not. You know what, Sean? You know what? You're right. Thank I, you. I think that, that After this, calls, aggravated me for this calls for someone above my pay grade. So Who's I've that? called a professional. Uh, Dr. Josh Umbers on the line from Atlas MD. And he oh, has he tends to agree with me. See, are you serious? You did not oh, call I, Dr. Josh. I got to keep her happy. Yeah. I'm, Dr. I'm Josh, don't fall one. into her trap. I am fine. I promise you. I took a you total Z like pack. I took the, the whole thing. Plague. What? Yeah. I said, you sound like you have the plague. No, she's <laughs> making it sound like I have now, the plague. Now, Sean, don't you think that Dr. Josh is a wonderful doctor? Don't we talk about how smart he is and how he could this get America trap. back on you know track? This is? this is a trap. This is a total Now, Dr. Setup. Josh, don't you think that the best thing for someone who has the cold or flu is rest? Yes. Right. Just like doctor's orders. Doctor, can I just Rest, say? Can I say something in my defense? I don't like to take off sick. I don't take off sick. I work through it. I pride myself on working through it. I pride myself on not having the work ethic of those idiots in Washington who take off, you know, two weeks here, a month here, another four weeks here. I don't. Want, I don't live my life like that. We, we've and, got eight years where we need you. We got to. I'll be here. I'll, I'll be. I'm not going anywhere. Off. No, you, we've got. Yeah, we need you for the long haul. I'm in. Do I sound like I'm incapable of doing the show today? Do I sound like I'm, I'm? I'm lacking energy. I'm not. The light goes on. It's playtime. It's go time. I'm ready to go. I have urgency. <laughs> That's until he hits the cough button. Is there and anything hacks up the you would movie. recommend that would make this go away faster? Is there anything else besides um, staying yeah. home yeah. and staring There's at the ceiling? Tea and honey, maybe a hot toddy, but uh, yeah, there's there's a couple. What what did you say again, Doctor Josh? Was that tea and honey? Tea and honey. Tea and honey. Sean, how do you feel about tea and honey? Why don't we tell Doctor Josh what happened in the studio when I gave that to you? So she brought in tea and honey yesterday. I took one sip and I said, "This is disgusting," and I threw it out and I said, "Can I have a cup of coffee?" (laughs) Well, uh, coffee and honey, then yeah, whatever your favorite. My favorite is right. Doesn't matter. uh, Why should I drink this? By the way, she she doesn't drink like Lipton tea. She drinks this. 
you know, I, I don't even Japanese green tea. That's okay, right. Healthy. Japanese antioxidants. I didn't grow up as an Irishman with Japanese green tea in my house. <laughs> I had Lipton tea in my house. Well, you know what? We actually, Doctor Josh. You know what? Um, Nurse Jackie's on line five from Iowa. Nurse Jackie, how oh do you feel about God. Sean? I've lost control of the show. Dr. Umber, that's it. I'm not promoting Atlas Medical again. Well, you probably would appreciate that. I can't say that. What's up, Jackie? How are you? I'm doing fine, but it doesn't sound like you're doing fine. No, I'm fine. I'm telling, I just cough in a little bit. And the cough, Uh doesn't that mean it's the end of the run? You're coughing up loogies. That's bad. Yes, I'm coughing them up. I can't lie. I'm the bad patient, but I'm not going to lie. More than doctors. See? Yep. Yeah, you you need a day off. Wait a minute, but I took a full run of a Z-Pack. It's all done today. Okay, well, that lasts for five more days in your system. Great. But you might need a refill. You mean that. do a second round of antibiotics? Right. You might need some steroids. Antibiotics are kind of unlikely to help, though. You most likely have a viral illness, so it's it's more run its course and treat the symptoms. Yeah. Unfortunately, we, we, we give out too many Z-packs. Okay, so yeah. then what would you recommend short of a Z-pack? Uh, a steroids can be helpful. A yeah. shot of what? Um, a sh- Wait a minute, a shot of what? A shot of Depomedrol for inflammation from the coughing. Yeah, no, it's it's hurting my back. It's that kind of cough. It hurts my your chest. Yeah, but your Teflon pearls, yeah, steroids, antihistamines, Tylenol, ibuprofen. All right, Doctor Josh, will you talk to my my annoying producer <laughs> who has set me up? If I was annoyed at the start of the show, no, I'm really annoyed because. I'm just going to tell you all, and I'm going to say this respectfully, Dr. Josh, you know I love you. I'm so proud of what you've done and how you help people. You have created concierge service for the average men and women in this country, and they deserve it, and you give them the best price and the best service, and it should be duplicated all over the country. Jackie, if I ever need to be in a hospital, I want you to be my nurse. I want you to make sure, though, you lock the door, and Linda, my producer, is never allowed in the room. Yeah, so what you're hearing, guys, is a big but that even though he knows you're both yeah. right and Dr. Josh uh-huh. is smart and you're a nurse and you practice medicine, he's going to ignore you both and come into work tomorrow so he can hack all over all of us. It's great. I okay, I've never – by the way, I'm not infectious, am I, doctor? Yeah, you still could be. Hey, let's make a negotiation. If North Korea decides to shoot a missile, you come in. Otherwise, I think we can – yeah, hand off the news day. I'm sorry, you doctor, you have a bad line. You're breaking up on me. Call Linda and tell her whatever medicine I ought to take because I really have no idea. All right, Linda, oh. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, I'm, you know, when do I'm you want sick, me to bring you in no, some tea I, and the last honey? Thing I'm going to say on this when I'm sick and I say I'm sick, I'm under the weather, not feeling well. You see me blowing my nose every 30 seconds and hacking up whatever you call those things. I don't even know, you know, part of my lung. Just do me a favor and just say, okay, can I get you anything? And then don't argue with me about whether I should be at work for an hour and a half. We've been arguing about this. It is, I am going, I am not Congress. I am not lazy. I am not incapable of playing hurt. And this is hardly hurt. I can't stand athletes on on Super Bowl day or Stanley Cup day. Oh, my back hurts. I'm like, suck it up. Get up. Get out there. We need you. That's the name of the game. So that's how I feel about this audience. All right. So I'm here. I'm on the air. We've got a great show. We have Congressman Jim Jordan. And Congressman Mark Meadows, both of the Freedom Caucus, the health care bill, they've come to an agreement. They're actually it was a meeting within the last hour of House Republicans, the latest update I had. And they are trying to whip the votes now that they have come up with the language. The Freedom Caucus, I would argue, the study group in particular, those groups and the Tuesday group are most responsible with coming up with the language that looks like it's going to get this thing you know, over the top and, and get the 
beginning in the repealing and the replacing of Obamacare. And from what I've heard from Freedom Caucus friends of mine, as they're all saying the same thing, it's going to lower the cost of health care dramatically. It's it's going to be part of a process, but ultimately it's going to drive down premiums, create competition, open up avenues for for practices like Dr. Umber, who I used to like a lot in Wichita. Dr. Umber literally has a practice where you pay 50 bucks a month as an adult. You get unlimited care. You get he's negotiated directly with pharmaceutical companies. You get a 95 plus percent discount and kids are 10 bucks a month. You get stitches and x-rays for 48 cents. And he has just totally reinvented how to do health care. And he's now been able to work with other doctors and practices around the country. And when you add health savings accounts and when you add catastrophic insurance, you know, catastrophic insurance for anybody. And you know, that means if God forbid the accident comes that you, you pray never happens or cancer comes, which you pray never happens or you have a heart attack, which God forbid you ever have. But those things are then covered and your monthly premium is is probably you can correlate that to whatever your deductible is. You know, the more deductible you're willing to pay, the less you're going to pay for the catastrophic insurance. Then it becomes insurance. You know, if God forbid, if you hit a car, you all right, you have to buy that person a car. That's what the insurance is for. If God forbid something serious. You know, we've gotten to a point where everybody wants to stub their toe, run to the doctor and say, okay, fix my toe and I don't want to pay a $10 copay. But under Obamacare, those doctors are gone. Those options are gone. Those co-ops are gone. You know, because literally it was written by the insurance companies. It's an absolute disgrace. Anyway, we'll get to that. So we're making progress on that. I want to go over in in great specificity and detail what the president's economic plan is. The thing that you need to know and like the most about this is the president is keeping his promises. He's keeping his word. In other words, income taxes, seven brackets to three, 10, 25, 35 percent. Standard deduction is going to double. $6,300 $6,300 per singles and twelve six for for married couples. I mean, so you're doubling the standard deduction, which is a really good thing. I think it's actually $12,700, $6,350 for singles. It repeals the death tax. That's a double taxation. You work hard. You pay federal income tax, state income tax, you know, every tax imaginable your whole life, then you die, and then in comes the federal government. They think they could take another bite at the apple of 40%. That is legalized stealing by your government. How about you decide what you, maybe you want to build a museum in your name. Maybe you want to do something charitable. Maybe you want to leave it to your grandchildren if they're not even born yet. Maybe you want to give it to your kids. It's none of the government's damn business after you've already worked and paid your taxes. It's ridiculous. Anyway, it does eliminate deductions except for the mortgage interest deduction charitable donations and retirement savings those are the ones that impact people the most uh, high tax states like new york new jersey connecticut will be hardest hit by the removal of the deduction for state and local taxes great i got whacked again anyway it repeals the alternative minimum tax provide maybe that'll put pressure on states to grow up and be like texas and florida just a thought it uh also provides unspecified tax relief for families oh and by the way it uh, you don't pay a penny. As a matter of fact, 50 plus percent of wage earners in America won't pay one red cent in taxes. Not one repeals the three point eight percent Obamacare tax on high earners. It cuts the corporate tax rate. This is the biggest part of it. Goes from one of the highest in the industrialized world to one of the lowest, 35 to 15 percent. It allows the pass through businesses, which include most small enterprises, to pay at the lower corporate rate instead of the top personal tax rate 
of nearly 30, uh, 39.6%. I mean, if you're looking for how to change the economy, if you, don't, if you want to change the economy, you want to get people out of poverty, off of food stamps, and you want to get people working again in America, this, this is how you do it. You know, this is now a conspiracy. I, I, see, I can't believe, I'm not going to spend more than the, the three minutes in this segment on this, but I see what you're doing here. You know, Claudia, California, we'll give you 15 seconds. What is your vote? 15 seconds. First time caller. Linda's right. I'm right. This oh argument my. cannot be broken. Think of it like Will Cal. Get your ass out of there. Go home. Because, boy, I'm going to tell you right now, this stuff will come back and bite you on the butt, and you'll be down for longer than your back, back teeth will ache. I don't home, get Sean. down. I hadn't slept for four days. I have full-on energy here today. If anything, I'm more pissed off than usual because of her. Tracy, Indiana, you're 15 seconds to lecture me. Go ahead. Go home. Your spreading oh germs God. are going to have to fumigate. There's no germs. I'm in a room by myself. They're in another room. I haven't even gone in there today. They don't have to come near me. I promise you. Uh, Joe in Maryland. What's up, Joe? Hey, brother. Uh, I got your back on this one. Um, I think that I think you should you should freaking accept what you got and um, and you go to work. It's it's about a little bit of pride and work ethic. I think that a lot of people. Um, I don't necessarily know have. Again, you have a mission. You have something to do today. Just because you don't feel, you know, the, the best doesn't mean you don't come to work and get your job done. You get your job done. You, you roll up your sleeves. You do your guy thing. Listen, this is what we do. We're hunters and gatherers. That probably will alienate women out there that are, you're a hunter and gatherer. What do you think? You're Fred Flintstone and, and Barney Rubble and Bam Bam? Well, it's my job to bring home the bacon so we can cook the food. And I feel an obligation not only to my family, but to all of you. And this is not that big a deal. And somebody's making it a bigger deal. Boy, he snuck through. I bet you made him lie to get on and say that he was against me. Uh, let's say hi to who's next. David is in uh, Big Fork, Montana. What's going on, sir? Hey, you know, Sean, I'm like you. I, I run my own business. I work six, yeah. seven days a week, 12 hours a day. And uh, I, I'm like you. If, it, if I get sick, I suck it up and I go. But you know what? I've learned over the years. I'm about 10 years older than you. My wife will handcuff me to the door so I don't go out when I'm sick because she says every day that I work, I'm sick. I take two days off to get better. So I just want you to take care of yourself. But my history actually, is not that. I've never I've never taken two days off to get better. Well, I tell you what. I I I literally take my hour, my lunch hour, an hour later, so I can hear your first hour, of your oh show gosh. every day. And I'm going to miss That's you. That's like the greatest compliment. I'm, I, pr- I swear, if I have to drag myself in here tomorrow because of what you just said to me, that you change your lunch hour, there's no greater compliment than any host can have. I'm getting in here. And when we come back, I'm now going to focus on what I plan to do on the program, which is news and information and solutions to our country's problems, especially health care and the president's tax plan, which will help all of us. We'll continue. 25 now till the top of the hour, 800 Sean. Look, this is why I've been pushing so hard on the health care bill. Because if the health care bill gets over the finish line, and at this point I, I've had numerous, numerous, numerous conversations with Freedom Caucus members. Louis Gomer supports the new bill, assuming the language is right. You always got to put that copy out because they're a bunch of lying swine and, and dirtbags in Washington. But as long as the, the language is is right then 
that bill's going to pass. Now, the reason you needed to pass, you need to pass health care, even though they announced yesterday Steve Mnuchin and Cohn, the president's um, tax plan, which is going to get the economy roll because you save a trillion dollars. And this, this is major, major money. Here's what's going to work for the economy, and here's why, I, you know, they can't get this done soon enough for me. Because you get the trillion dollars in saving, savings. In the initial years when you start a tax cut, it's not instantaneous. Oh, wow, we just cut taxes. Look at the growth tomorrow. Well, it takes a while for the law to go into effect. Number two, it took Reagan three years to start the real economic engine of his tax cut proposal. Look, look at, look at the Reagan analogy example. In the course of his presidency, we went from top marginal rates from 70 to 28 percent. We literally in that eight year period of time, we doubled the amount of revenues that came into the federal government. They had quarters of growth as high as eight percent and so many in the six and seven and five percent range that it unleashed the potential of America's economy. Now, what is the potential of America's economy today? Well, we got labor. We got 95 million Americans out of the labor force, the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. I mean, that that is huge in and of itself. So we get that that is a natural resource. We've got untapped natural talent of great Americans. We got another 50 million Americans in poverty and 50 million on food stamps. Uh, if we can get them back in the labor force and stop giving them money, but they even if they're not paying any federal income taxes, we're saving money because we're, we're not taking care of people like we were. So that's going to be a big cost. Now, the president has already lifted the burden of regulation, especially on the energy sector and the coal sector, and, and is allowing fracking. And he went forward today and mentioned drilling, and we're going to increase domestic drilling and offshore drilling in the country. You know, these are all great things because every energy job, energy is the lifeblood of our economy. And if we can get our own energy, become energy independent in four to eight years, well, in the process of becoming energy independent, you're going to create all of those jobs in the fracking industry, the drilling industry, uh, oil industry, the gas, natural gas industry, et cetera. And then all the pipelines and uh, associated, you know, uh, jobs that, that will come with it. I mean, if they start doing serious drilling offshore, well, that's going to increase the restaurant business. That's going to increase department store traffic. That's going to increase, you know, the local economy, wherever that happens to be. And then housing starts are going to go up and and so on and so forth. You know, it's not trickle down. It's just common sense. You need the government to get out of the way. And one of the things that government has been so burdensome on is America's ability to become energy independent. That's just one That's just one huge piece of the puzzle right there. And the president now is unleashing America's own potential. And I'm not even talking about national security benefits. Why is it we have more energy, the lifeblood of our economy, under our feet, and we're still importing oil from countries like Saudi Arabia that hates our guts and other countries in the Middle East that make us more prone and more likely to get involved in foreign conflicts so we ensure the free flow of oil at a moderate market price so that the engine of our economy cannot be destroyed abroad. It's key. It plays a big part in our Middle Eastern policy, except with the exception, of course, of defending our closest friend and ally Israel. But energy independence here might give us and take pressure off us here at home in terms of involving ourselves at different times in whatever mess is created in the Middle East, which seems to be never ending. 
Then you add to that what the president's doing here. He's doubling the standard deduction. A married couple with an income of $24,000 or less pay no federal income tax. Right now, 50% of wage earners in America pay zero income tax. Nothing. The evil top 1% pay nearly 40% of the taxes. The top 10% pay, you know, 75% of the taxes. It's not a matter of the rich not paying their fair share. Now, there's other issues, for example. I think one of the most important factors in all of this is we're going to incentivize business to build their manufacturing centers, their factories here in America. I mean, it's really, really simple. You know, if if you drop the top marginal rates um, from 35%, which is the top in the industrialized world, to 15%, and you allow pass-through businesses, in other words, businesses that are coming through America, but they're really, their home port is here, there, or somewhere else. Well, it's still bringing money and creating jobs in America. So including many small enterprises, small businesses here in America, which provides the majority of jobs. You allow them to pay the lower corporate rate, 15%, instead of the top personal rate at 39.6%. Well, what does that mean? That means, you know, the reason that President Trump was able to to get on the phone and appeal to Ford and, and Chrysler Fiat and Carrier and GM and What's that? Alibaba guy, Steve Ma, wants to create a, a million jobs. Why has he been able to appeal to these corporations to lock in here? Is because, A, he said he's getting rid of regulation, burdensome regulation, and he's doing it and has done it. And, B, he's saying to corporations, we're creating a business-friendly environment so there's no longer a need for you to search for cheaper labor and deal with burdensome regulation because we're getting rid of all of that here and we've got 95 million Americans sitting on the sidelines dying to get back into the labor force. We have a lot of highly talented people. And on top of that, you add the 10% repatriation rate. In other words, multinational corporations. That includes Apple, Microsoft, all these other big guys that seem so generous when they are. They get to donate billions to charity. Great. But they also park money overseas. I'm not saying who. Many of these corporations, no specifics. They park money overseas. Why? Because they don't have a 35% corporate tax. And so, you know, why did Ireland grow throughout those years? Why was Ireland hated by a lot of other European countries? Because they dropped their top marginal rates, their corporate rates, to some of the lowest in the industrialized world. And they, they experienced rapid growth for their economy. It also repeals the alternative minimum tax. Going to, this plan is going to provide unspecified tax relief for families with child and dependent care services. So they're trying to take care of people that are in a very tough spot and so that the government doesn't have to take care of them in the end. Now, it also repeals the death tax. Some of you will say, well, that's outrageous. The rich get to keep their money. I'm like, okay. So hang on a second. If you live in New York, this is the situation you live in. You pay a... 40% federal tax, top marginal rate, if, you, if you're making decent money, good, decent money. You're not even rich in New York if you make $100,000 a year, trust me. And so the top marginal rate it is 40% federally. So you pay 40% in federal taxes. You pay a 10% state income tax. You work for the city. I think it's, what, 3% city income tax. So now we're at 53%. Then you pay, like I could tell you, I'm in the second highest property taxed county in the country in Nassau County. 
Then you pay out. I mean, if I told you how much I pay in property tax, it's insane. It's legalized stealing. Well, then why do you stay there, Hannity? Come to Texas. Come to North Carolina. Come to South Carolina. Come to uh, Florida. I'd love to. The problem is this is where my job is. So I have to stay. So now you're up to, then you pay your sales taxes. Then you pay your FICA taxes. Probably never get any Social Security money. They'll means tested by the time I'm eligible. And the reality is this, is that you're paying 62 cents of every dollar you make in New York. And then if you're like me and you do, you know, you're kind of risk averse when it comes to the issue of the IRS because they, they, wanna, they have a bullseye on my back, just like the leftist all propaganda destroy Trump media has a bullseye on my back and every liberal fascist in the country wants my voice silenced. So I kind of end up just paying my fair share, paying my taxes for the very purpose of just getting these people away from me and just just not taking those chances. I should probably refile. I'm so annoyed at the latest audit. Anyway, so 62 cents out of every dollar. Okay, now I die. Well, if I die tomorrow, the federal government takes 40% more of the little bit I saved after they took the 62% bite. Government, that is. So I pay 62 cents of every dollar. Then I die. Whatever I have left, they're going to take another 40%. Here's the other catcher. New York State has a estate tax. There's another 10%. So I pay 62 cents on every dollar in taxes, state, local, federal taxes, property taxes, FICA taxes. And then I die. And then they come in and take, out of all that I might have managed to save, they'll take another half. I, I, I don't even know what to say. How does anybody rationalize that? This is not limited government. This is womb to the tomb, cradle to grave utopia that doesn't incentivize people to invest, to build businesses, to take risks that provide their fellow Americans opportunity. I never got a job in my life from a poor person. Not a penny. Not one cent. Anyway, they'll... They'll go from seven brackets to three brackets. The proposed brackets of the president based on income, 10, 25 and 35 percent federal income tax. And it's not good. It just is annoying. OK, I got a new phone. Who this new phone? OK. Anyway, so that's where we are. And there's other issues we're going to get to today. And we'll get the latest on health care with Jim Jordan. And we'll check in with Mark Meadows of the Freedom Caucus. By the way, Ann Coulter made, sent me a note last night. I made, wanted me to make clear, and I knew this, but Ann did not cancel Berkeley. Berkeley canceled her. And the Young Americans Foundation, she told me, acquiesced, at which point there was nothing she could do. But this is not the first time. This is now, well, if you go to Milo, in his case, I mean, he wasn't allowed to speak either. This is now the new America that we live in here. We're at a turning point. And freedom of speech is in jeopardy in this country by liberal fascists. This is not a game anymore. This is trying to take down the Fox News Channel, conservative talk radio, every university. What starts in universities like Berkeley spreads like cancer around the country. You know, first it was Yilo Yiannopoulos. His event nearly became a riot. Now it's Ann Coulter. And you got radical snowflakes monitoring every talk radio show, hoping they can take out whatever host through some type type of boycott because what they said is something they don't agree with. 
You know, it's it's absolute madness what's going on here. You know, the very people on the left that claim to be so open minded and so compassionate and so loving and so inclusive are anything but so supportive of free speech. These are they're just their words. They don't mean this. And this is what I've been saying to everybody all week. There's liberal fascism and they're carrying out a well-funded. All right, how, you think somebody's going to do it for free? Monitor me, Rush, Laura, Beck, and every other local host around the country? Or are they getting paid? They're getting paid. Who's paying them? Interesting question, isn't it? Think they're going to monitor 24-7 the Fox News channel, hoping that they get that one sentence, that one phrase, that one comment that they can distort or you can't even apologize for? It's God forbid you have a slip of the tongue. You say something stupid. You can't say, I didn't mean it that way. It came out wrong. Does that not happen to all of us in life? Isn't that why Congress revises and extends their remarks so often? Hey, James, can you bring me that in, please, if you get a second? Thank you. Um, you know, when are we going to live up to this whole concept, this, this, this principle that we really do believe in freedom of speech? All right, thank you, sweet baby. I got it. Um, when are we going to live up to that standard? Where is the left watching this liberal fascism unfold before their eyes and loving it? Not speaking out against it, they're loving it. I can find hardly a liberal that's saying, stop, stop the boycotts, stop the the shutdown of speech on college campuses, stop trying to take down the Fox News channel. There's none because they're all phony and they're all hypocrites and they want that. That is their vision, obviously, of America or they would be speaking out. For eight years, you guys had a plan. You, you kept saying and promising you would repeal, replace Obamacare. Mm-hmm. And I guess what people want to know is when are these things going to get done? We're exactly on the timeline that we designed for ourselves. Obamacare is coming next. Our bill is coming in March. First, it's regulatory reform because we had this window of time to cancel bad Obama regulations. Then we're doing Obamacare. After we're done with Obamacare, then we're doing our budget. And our budget is what the second budget, which will be tax reform. So we're doing two budgets in one year, which has never been done before. This is faster than it's ever been done before. When I heard repair, my head nearly exploded. That's not the plan. The plan is, is to repeal and replace this law. Like we said, we ran on a plan to repeal and replace it. Tom Price helped write that plan. He is now Donald Trump's secretary of HHS. So there is a consensus plan that's now being scored by the CBO. Correct. You're saying to the American people and conservatives that are impatient, including myself, you agree with every item I mentioned, even extreme vetting. Yeah, we we passed that bill a year ago in the House. I know you now agree with building the wall. Yes. Are you telling the American people vetting refugees, building the wall, repeal, replace, tax reform, all of this is going to be done in 200 days? Inside the 200-day window is the regulatory reforms we talked about. It's the repeal and replace Obamacare. It's the budget. It's the rebuilding of our military. It's tax reform. Those are the things that we're working on, and infrastructure. Those are the things we're working on in this 2017 calendar. in the equation? I think that's in there as well. We, we, okay. we see that as part of regulatory reform. But in 200 days, that's you think that's doable? This is our plan, yeah. And if, and if if there's any slippage, we'll finish it in the fall and get it done before the end of the year. So if I come back in 200 days, I, you're going you're gonna to go, 
well, I made a promise. We yeah, got it. Well, because I think this is so, so here's what I'm saying. We, we've mapped this out for 200 days. We have a plan to do that. We're on schedule. But if, if anything slips because of It'll be another seven. Supreme Court justice yeah, or, or a filibuster on a cabinet nominee, that might slip us. But we're, we're making sure that we do all of this in 2017. Okay, let's go to the budget, which is such a big issue. Uh, the president, seven brackets to three, 15 percent corporate rate. I know you prefer 20 because that well, scores. I, no, with I the prefer C- 15. I it just, scores. Yeah, I have to get what we can with the, okay. with the numbers. You support repatriation, multinational corporations. That will be huge. For, that's a lot of money that can come back into the economy. Probably about $3 trillion. Here's my headline of this interview, that you're in pretty much full agreement with, with what Donald Trump ran on. Yes. And number two, in 200 days, from the legislative side, you are going to be implementing every aspect of that agenda that we talked about. Yep, and, and just to That's add a big headline. And we, have, and we have cushion in our schedule. If, if anything slips, because it's really because of Senate issues, we still have time to accommodate all of this stuff so in 2017. To give you so I even have safety valves. I have, even I, have built cushions, I have cushions built in the schedule yeah. to make sure this all gets done in 2017 because I believe in case something happens and goes sideways on the Senate. I'm pretty sure that will stimulate the economy, get people Absolutely. back to work, and, and get the economy moving again, which I think we need. That's what we're hired to do. All right, Mr. Speaker, right. you'll see you in 200 days. All right, that was the Speaker of the House, my interview when I went down to Washington at the beginning of the year and the things that he's promising. Health care did not go as planned. Unfortunately, they hid the health care bill. Nobody had a chance to read it. There was no coalition built among the varying factions within the, the House of Representatives, the Republican caucus. And you had the Freedom Caucus on one side, the Tuesday group on another side, the study group on another side, moderates on another side. And then you had the Saturday Let's Get Wasted drinking group in the Republican caucus on, on a, who knows what side. I'm kidding about that group. But anyway, from all indications, as I read on the air yesterday, the Freedom Caucus now has worked hard day and night. I know this for a fact because I probably have spoken with Freedom Caucus members and their chairman, Mark Meadows, about a thousand times uh, in the interim from the Friday in which that bill failed. And Jim Jordan, who is uh, the former chairman of the Freedom Caucus, and uh, welcome both uh, both of you back to the program. I know how hard all of you and your members have worked. Congressman Meadows, we'll start with you, considering you're the ranking Freedom Caucus member at this moment. But remember, Jim had that job first. Um, and it's it's been a war. It's It's been nonstop. How many hours a day do you think you've been working on this bill? Well, we've been working, as you know, Sean, around the clock. And, and actually, Jim Jordan, uh, it, not only is he uh, a mentor, but he's really uh, one of the, the best leaders in all of Congress on a number of issues. And so, uh, you know, I can tell you the, the hours we've spent uh, since the bill was pulled, and even before that, uh, but particularly since then, has been no less than 70 to 80 hours a week trying to make sure that we find that sweet spot to bring everybody together. And now I think we're you know just days away from a vote. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm optimistic that uh, while the bill's not perfect, it does fulfill one promise. It, it brings down premiums for hardworking Americans, and that's what it's all about. Jim Jordan, tell us about the process from your end. I know that it was it was touch and go there for a while, very hard. You guys were, were basically in the media blamed for as being the group that was responsible. Meanwhile, you're only one part of this coalition. I'm sure that had to be frustrating yeah. to all of you. Yeah, but look, look uh, Sean, because we engaged and because Mark worked his tail off, and our whole team did. We made a bill that wasn't where it needed to be. We made it better. Now, let's be honest. It's not full repeal, so there's still work to do. But because we engaged, because we held out, 
uh, the Obamacare tax increases are going right away. They're not kept for a year or two longer than, than, than as the original draft had them. The work requirement for able-bodied people in the Medicaid expansion program is in there because conservatives engaged and, and fought for things. And finally, this option for state to get the waiver and, and, and get a waiver from those key Obamacare regulations that drive up premiums, to get a waiver from that so premiums come down, as Mark said, for working-class families. Those three things happen because we engage in this debate. We think this is the best bill that can get out of the House. We think it's a better bill than was uh, introduced, and uh, but we understand we got more work to do to fully Could repeal you explain, Obamacare and fully uh, do what we told the American people we were going to accomplish. You know, it gets complicated. Most people don't understand this, and, and one of the apparent obstacles in this whole process is the fact that it had to work within the Senate rules of reconciliation. And when I get into reconciliation and the bird rule and cloture, everybody's eyes gloss over. Yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, the only thing people want to know is, are my premiums going down? Right. Um, and am I going to get better and more consistent health care? And you're saying that this bill is a big step in that direction. If they get the waiver, if states get the waiver. Well, you got the waiver, right? States are gonna, many states are going to uh, uh, go for that option and actually make it happen. If they do that, coupled with the other things that, that are currently in the bill, we do believe premiums will come down. And not just what Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan and, and members of Congress believe. The health care policy experts believe that will happen. Then you can then you can say, okay, California, you may not want to do this. Your state may not do it, but Kentucky will, and people can start to see, wow, premiums and and deductibles are coming down in Kentucky, even though they're not in California. Maybe we, maybe then there'll be in this this more push to get across state lines, get that legislation done, and some of the other things we know need to happen to further bring down the cost of health care and the cost of uh, insurance premiums. Yeah, Congressman Meadows, um, these were not easy negotiations, and the waiver ended up being the breakthrough. Can you explain the difference? Well, I think uh, for for many of us, uh, Sean, uh, we believe that the Obamacare mandates, and there's 12 of them, the original bill that was rolled out uh, had two of them repealed. We believe that there was two other critical Obamacare rules that had to be repealed. And uh, the original recommendation we had was a full repeal. As you know, the moderates uh, just felt like that was a bridge too far. So this waiver actually gets it two additional Obamacare rules that have the the greatest impact on premiums. And so by allowing states to waive out of them, uh, it will not only protect pre-existing conditions, which was the president's promise and our promise, uh, but it'll drive premiums down. There's another aspect. We've, we've helped create a high-risk pool. So that's anybody that has a pre-existing condition uh, can go into that so that their premiums stay down. So uh, it, was, it was a compromise. Certainly, uh, it is one that, uh, as Jim was saying, we, we haven't finished the work. We've got to continue to work with the Senate. I know I talked to Senator Thune yesterday about working on uh, tax credits and making sure that our people, uh, the seniors, have, have adequate coverage, affordable coverage. But right now, based on the numbers, uh, a 50-year-old is going to be able to buy insurance as cheap as a 30-year-old can on Obamacare. And, and that's uh, significant when you really look at lowering premiums. Let me ask you both this. I've been very critical of leadership for this reason, because, you know, for, for nearly eight years now, or probably about eight years, Republicans said, give us the House. You got the House in 2010. All right, give us the Senate. 
we'll repeal and replace Obamacare. You got that in 2014. Give us the House, the Senate, and the White House, and we'll repeal and replace Obamacare. And you look at the approval ratings. Now, the president's approval rating is quite high because everything he can possibly do on his own, he's doing, and he's reminding Americans that he's checking off his promises. I really give him a lot of credit for what he's done, including Neil Gorsuch, and we worked down from there. He laid out his economic plan that was exactly what he said he would do during the campaign. But yet, After eight years of having an opportunity to build consensus, they didn't show anybody the bill. You guys didn't see the bill beforehand, right? Right. We didn't. All right. They they didn't build consensus among the varying factions or coalitions. No coalition was built. No whipping took place. Nobody saw the bill. It was unloaded on people. The president immediately wrapped his arms around it because he thought it was a consensus bill. He has to do the heavy lifting on the bill. And meanwhile, it's not what people promised. And and then you guys have to come in and clean up the mess. And the reason is, remember, we thought we were going to start with where we were last year. The bill with the 2015 bill. Except one voted for the same bill we put on pre- then-President Obama. By the way, and that bill didn't fully repeal Obamacare either. A separate replacement bill. Yeah, right. So we thought we were going to start there. When that wasn't the case, and you and you have a process like you just described, that's why you get to the end and you have a piece of legislation that only 17% of the country supports. But we said, look, we still want to do everything we can to keep our word with the American people. So Mark went to work. We went to work over this, this, this break, and we're able to say, at least let's give states the option to do what we should have been doing, I think, which is a, a repeal of those regulations that drive up costs. So that's where we're at now. We think, as we said before, it's, it's pretty darn good, and it's a good start, but it's not it's not. Okay, but my problem, end up. Jim and, and Congressman Meadows, I'll ask you, my problem is we can't go through this pain every time of every one of the agenda. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> every one of the president's agenda items cannot go through this. No, it now, can't. Is there, now, is there anything, real quickly, and then we'll come back, is there anything, Congressman Meadows, that is that gives you any indication they're going to act differently with for example, the tax bill. Well, we we spoke to uh, White House officials last night and made that point of compelling point that it has to be different. We can't embarrass uh, the president uh, believing that there's consensus when there's not. But the other part of that, I do believe that uh, we we have a real opportunity. Uh, Jim and I just came from meeting with the speaker where we said, you know, what we've got to do is iron out our differences right now on tax reform. And what did he say? Right, I'll tell you what. Tell us what he said when we get back. We'll talk about the tax reform bill when we come back. Also, at the bottom of the hour, uh, we're actually going to check in with Senator Tom Cotton. I was in Israel last week, and believe it or not, 300 million taxpayer dollars a year are spent by the Palestinian Authority to pay terrorists and their families our money paying, and it's a matter of law, and we're still giving the money, and there's an act put in place, uh, which is for Taylor Force. We'll explain that at the bottom of the hour, but I go, and all right, so we're talking about how wrong the health care process went. Congressman Meadows, you said you met with Speaker of the House Ryan. Is he committed to not creating another fiasco rollout like the health care repeal replace bill? Well, he, he is. Uh, he, he basically told Jim and I that uh, the, the process, he sees where uh, it, it had the, the pitfalls this particular time. It needs to be more than just listening sessions. It really needs to be where we get the legislative text. We go back and forth. We actually read the bills. I know that that uh, shouldn't be a shock to your listeners that members should read the bills, but a lot of them don't. And so what what he said is, is that we would actually get there, work it back and forth, and then before going out, out and taking it out to the American people, at least have a consensus or very close to a consensus. Uh, the real, I guess, the real caution that I have there is is that we've heard that kind of thing before, and it's important for the president that we get it right this.
this time, and uh, I'm, I'm going to take the speaker as his word and, and trust that on tax reform, we'll roll it out with a, a little Is bit more Is it going to look, in your opinion, um, Jim Jordan, like what the president ran on and what he outlined through Steve Mnuchin and, and Cohn yesterday? Yeah, that's a great, great uh, um, principle there. But everything Mark just talked about, it might be nice if he had real hearings, like for this health care bill. Maybe it would have been nice if he had hospitals come in, doctors come in, regular families, maybe independent insurance agents. Maybe have real real Americans come in and testify. There was no, there was no testimony taken in the, in the hearings. They were just straight to markup, and no amendments were actually accepted in the committee. So you, you, you build as much consistency as you can. Then you have actual real hearings. Let the American people weigh in. Watch their government in action. Let's do the same thing on the tax. I, I'll take the Democrats' arguments. Oh, they're, they're going to say, oh, you're cutting taxes for the rich. No, we're cutting taxes letting people, letting families keep more of their money and, and creating a tax code that's conducive to economic growth so we can have more than this 1.2% annual growth rate that we had under Obama, for goodness sake. So I welcome those debates. We shouldn't shy away from those debates. Let's have real hearings, real debates, and let's have that happen, and then we will get a better product that will be better for the American people who elected us to come here and do these very things. Were you, either of you, upset in the fight this week over the CR, that funding for the border wall, that the president said, all right, we can put that off. Are you confident that that's still going to be funded? Well, I'm confident that the president uh, is committed to building the wall. But yes, I mean, am I upset? Uh, sure, I'm upset. At, at this particular point, it's a promise that the president made. It's one that I joined him in. We've got to fund the wall. If we can't find Should we have done it this week? Should Republicans wall, have fought this week? I beg your pardon? Should the Republicans have fought this week? Well, I, I think they should have. I mean, when you really look at, the, at this particular issue, it's, uh, you know, you've got Democrats holding it up. Now, no one's in favor of a government shutdown, but at the point, you have to stand for something. This is a president who always stands for something. He's taken a political risk to say things that perhaps are not politically correct. Building the wall is critically important not only to my voters, but to Jim's and, and all of those who, who understand national security. So yeah. we've got to Sean. get it done, and hopefully we will. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you both. I know how yeah. hard you both work. I know for a fact how hard you all work, and I would say without the Freedom Caucus, this health care bill would have had no opportunity. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue. On the other side, why is the American government, your tax dollars, $300 million a year, going to fund terrorists and their families when they kill Americans and Israelis. Believe it or not, that's happening. Senator Tom Cotton weighs in next. Taylor Force was an outstanding young American with a distinguished record of service uh, at the military academy and then overseas. He was what every parent could hope their son could be. <sighs> We're going to make sure that the record that he put together is remembered by Americans and is a positive force for change in the world. The taxpayer dollars are no longer going to subsidize the murder of American citizens or Israeli citizens, and that the Palestinian people are no longer subsidized with American money in a leadership that encourages this kind of brutal murder with graduated payments for the more and worse mayhem that these terrorists wreck. So the Force family has my commitment, has all of our commitments. We're going to do everything in our power to make this bill into a law to commemorate Taylor's memory and to ensure that his sacrifice is not forgotten and that it has a lasting positive legacy in the world. All right, 24 now till the top of the hour. Very emotional Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas. 
Now, he serves on the Armed Services and Intelligence Committees. He served in Iraq himself, the 101st Airborne, and in Afghanistan with the Provincial Reconstruction Team. And also joining us is Stuart Force. Now, Stuart's son, Taylor, was a former U.S. Army officer, West Point graduate. He was part of Vanderbilt University, their tour group that was visiting Israel. I talked about this with Prime Minister Netanyahu last week. He was brutally stabbed and killed by a Palestinian terrorist. The Palestinian, Palestinian Authority leader, Mahmoud Abbas, and their Fatah faction praised the terrorists as a heroic martyr. By the way, Donald Trump is meeting with this guy on May 3rd, and the Palestinian Authority has never condemned the attack, a terrorist attack. Now, what I got into with the Prime Minister of Israel is the fact that the U.S. government gives about $700 million a year to the Palestinian Authority. And of that $700 million, they spend about $300 million. According to the Palestinian Authority's online budget, they shell out the same amount or that amount of money, $300 million a year, to the families of jihadists. They build in their town squares, literally, so-called works of art for the people that kill either Israelis or Americans. Now, the Taylor Force Act would cut off funding to the Palestinian Authority if they continue this policy. It is now the stated law of paying money, monetary rewards to terrorists and their surviving family members. Anyway, uh, Senator Tom Cotton is back with us from Arkansas. Uh, Stuart Force is with us. It was his son, Taylor, who this legislation is designed and, and to honor. Welcome both of you to the program. Good afternoon, Sean, and I, it, I appreciate so much you, you having me on. It's, it's a great honor to speak with you. I spoke at length with the Prime Minister of Israel about this very issue in light of the, the leader of, of the Palestinian Authority, Mahmoud Abbas, is meeting with President Trump on May 3rd, um, and the Prime Minister of Israel was adamant that if there's any chance of peace, one, there's got to be a recognition of Israel's right to exist. Number two, stop paying monetary rewards to terrorists and their surviving family members. Doesn't that have to be a fundamental, basic starting point? I would, I would think so, Sean. I can't imagine negotiating with anybody about anything, knowing that they have law, laws that provide for killing your citizens. I cannot, I cannot believe that you could start with that in effect. Uh, I think it, it, it's just when all the facts came out to us after... After we lost Taylor, and I, I heard and read what was going on, I, I was appalled that that is going on in this day and age. The contract killing with an open, open-ended contract, I could not, I could not understand it. Uh, and it is, it's just, but you know why? Because it's not comprehensible. Because you, you, there's no sense behind this that American money is going to a group that kills Americans and Israelis, and they're rewarding the terrorists and their families. Because, you know, that is insanity by definition, and it's got to end. By the way, I'm pretty certain I know pretty, President Trump pretty well. I think once he gets made aware of the magnitude of this, I think he's going to say no more money until you stop this. I, I think that would be a first good step. And um, um, from everyone I've, I've had the opportunity to speak, opportunity to speak with, I, I agree that they, they are more and more aware of, how ludicrous the whole situation is and how you can't go forward with that in place. It's, it's, I, I, I hate that we're, that my wife and I and daughter have, have spoken to so many people that have been so concerned. We never in our lives imagined they didn't like anything would this happen to anyone in our family, but uh, we agree it, it, 
it, it has it has to stop. It just cannot continue, and it's not it's not a partisan issue. I I tell people, and whether they're Democrat, liberal, independent, Republican, it's just the situation. It's not a it's not a part of your belief. It's just not not right. You're right. It's not hey, right. Hey, Sean, this is Tom Cotton. Hey, Senator. Add, um, it's good to be on with you, uh, as always, but it's a, a special honor to be uh, on with you with Stuart. Mr. Force, it's good to hear your voice Thank again. Thank you, Senator Cotton. I appreciate you, what you're doing for this so much. It, I can't tell you. Yes. Um, and, and, Sean, your, your instinct is right, because uh, I've seen this repeatedly now, both in Congress uh, and with our Kansans. Uh, decent people cannot imagine that the facts – at hand. They cannot imagine that we give the Palestinian Authority hundreds of millions of dollars and the Palestinian Authority gives what's essentially bonus payments to the families of terrorists um, who commit the kind of heinous crime that uh, happened to Taylor Force. When you bring that to them, sometimes you have to actually show them the laws, show them the Palestinian laws, show them the budgetary accounts, which are freely available uh, in the open source domain, to get them to realize that this is, in fact, true, that this is not a myth. Um, and I, for one, am confident, once the president understands and appreciates what's happening with your tax dollars, that we can put an end to this uh, and that we can pass the Taylor Force Act through the Congress for his signature. Sean, I'm so happy that you raised this with Prime Minister Netanyahu, and I'm so grateful that Prime Minister Netanyahu spoke forcefully about the need to end. Did you see us talking about this? Did you see the quotes of Abbas yeah. that he, he uses when he's at home versus what I know he'll probably lie to and tell the president? Sean, it's so important that Prime Minister Netanyahu weighed in on this matter, that we have to stop what are essentially bounty payments uh, to the families of of dead terrorists. Um, And his support uh, removes one of the very last objections that anyone in the United States could have, because if the prime minister supports this legislation and this effort uh, to try to stop U.S. taxpayer dollars uh, from going to the families of dead Palestinian terrorists, I can't imagine any senator or congressman voting against our legislation. So I'm encouraging the president to raise this matter with uh, President Abbas during their meeting next week and say very simply to him, look, if you don't stop this practice, you will no longer receive this money. Uh, we're not asking them for some pie-in-the-sky, um, you know, lion down, lying, laying down with the lamb scenario. We're not asking them to try to you know, eliminate all anti-Semitic feelings from their society. We're asking them to do something within their control. Stop taking our money and giving it to the families of dead terrorists if you want to keep our money. Have you gotten any Democratic support, Senator? A lot of Democrats have been supportive, uh, um, but quietly. Uh, one reason why we couldn't pass this legislation in previous years is that the Obama administration plainly did not support it, did not want it coming to the floor, um, and Democratic senators did not want to vote on it. Uh, but with President Trump in the White House, who I believe will support the legislation, um, with the endorsement of Prime Minister Netanyahu, I think it's a horse of a different color, and I suspect that we will be able to pass this. Uh, what about Chuck Schumer? Have you ever talked to Chuck Schumer about it? I, I haven't personally talked to him about it, but you know, Senator Schumer likes to prevent his uh, – caucus from having to take votes on things that might be tough for them. Um, I, again, it's hard for me to imagine anybody saying this is tough, but ultimately it's Mitch McConnell that schedules the floor. And Senator McConnell can bring this to the floor uh, with the president's support, now with the endorsement of the prime minister as well. And I think you'd see a large and bipartisan vote if we have a vote on the floor. Um, let me ask you this. Um, do, do They have confirmed themselves that this is actual law under the Palestinian Authority, correct? 
they yes. must pay the black. families of terrorists and terrorists that survive. It's in black and white. It's Palestinian authority and law. And um, the more heinous the attack and crime, the uh, bloodier it is, the more money the families receive. It is a straight incentive for terrorists to kill innocent civilians like Taylor Force to try to make sure their family is cared for. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Force, Stuart Force, tell us about your son, Taylor. Oh, gosh. Your program's not long enough, Sean, for me to tell you all about Taylor. I believe but, it. I believe but it. We're, it, it. We were just very fortunate that we have, we have two good kids, and uh, he, at an early age, decided that uh, uh, West Point would be a goal. He went to uh, New Mexico Military Institute in Roswell, where people like Roger Staubach had, had gone to school and in their efforts to obtain appointments to the various service academies, and it was a good academic and uh, pre-military background, and he enjoyed, well, I guess you'd have to say mostly endured his, his four years at West Point because it's quite a, a grueling regimen that they go through. But um, his, my father, his grandfather, had, had graduated in 47, and so he had an ideal and an idea of what to expect, and he was excited. And, and when he graduated, he went to field artillery and uh, to serve the two tier tours uh, a year in Iraq and nine months in Afghanistan and uh, you know he uh, I, I would want to mention one thing I know people have a tendency to use the word hero and Taylor was very a very modest and humble person even though he achieved a lot but I want he always cringed when somebody would call him a hero well he felt the real heroes were those that were wounded or, or gave their lives. Yeah, but he was willing to risk it, so yeah. he fits in that category. It's the he, same he, thing to me in many ways. It's not the same thing. I mean, anybody that's willing to risk it, that is a level of heroism and courage. I, I, he, he viewed himself as a patriot more than more than a hero, Sean, but it was um, it was something he felt very strongly about, being there for his, his men, and uh, it, it honestly wasn't about him, and it's just tragedy that situations like this happen it takes so many so many promising young people not only americans but but israelis and and other visitors to israel in a in a situation like this it's just it's just uh, it, it's a shame and and we're we're incredulous about the whole yeah well first i just want to say on, a, on behalf of so many people i'm so sorry mr for for your loss your son taylor and uh i truly you know, send a sympathy of a very sympathetic audience here, and we want to wish you and your family the very, very best. And so sorry you have to go through this. And Senator Cotton, thank you for what you're doing on this. And I know you're fighting the good fight every day. Is <clears throat> is that health care bill in the House going to work through the Senate and get done, you think? <laughs> Sean, over the last few weeks, uh, I've decided not to hazard guesses about what's going to happen on the floor of the House. But whatever happens, I want to make sure that we pass legislation that repeals Obamacare and provides uh, all Americans with affordable and quality insurance, no exceptions and no excuses. Do you like the changes that the Freedom Caucus was able to get? I haven't seen the text, but from the reports I've seen and the, my conversations with some of my friends there, they're moving in the right direction. Obviously, the Senate will, uh, will take up any bill that comes here and put our own stamp on it. Uh, but the ultimate goal uh, that we share with those in the House is making sure that insurance is affordable for everyone, no matter how you get your insurance. Yeah. Mr. Force, thank you so much for being with us. You're in our thoughts and prayers. Your son was indeed a hero. God bless you and your family. I know how hard that must be for you every day, this insanity of 
paying money to the Palestinian Authority so they can shell it out to the families and jihadists and their survivors is insanity. And I'm, I'm going to make sure in the next interview with President Trump that I ask him about this. Thank you so much for being with us. 800-941-SHAWN is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. All right, quick break. Right back. News Roundup Information Overload and your call straight ahead. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. It's hilarious and kind of sad that, um, you know, I was in the waiting room in the West Wing for a half hour before I walked in there and probably saw 100 people, including reporters. So it just kind of, you know, nothing happened until a week later. And then people were furious that I got in there and, and, you know, actually I was in Washington for something different. Um, and went in there, and I will say that since uh, his, Trump's spokesperson said it, I talked to him about a project. So I did talk to him about a project, but we talked about other stuff too. And what I find unbelievable is the bullying in traditional media. That, that I think there are some traditional media outlets that are getting ruined by this administration, and it ruined by their own deeds that, you know, there are certain uh, networks and, and newspapers that are very clear on who they are and what they feel, and that's fine. I mean, if you, if you put yourself out as, you know, somebody who supports Trump or, is, like MSNBC, is against Trump, at least you get it. You know what you're getting. But when you pretend like you're objective, but you're not... And you are angry and you are, you know, you, you are trying to kill um, and bully. I think that is killing. And I don't think they know it yet. But I think some of the trusted names in news are not trusted anymore because of this. And, you know, what I think it's so preposterous that, you know, Kanye West went to see Trump. He got trashed. Steve Harvey went to see Trump. He got trashed. You know, they went after me for seeing Trump. So I guess the solution is nobody should see him. It should be a boycott. That is so stupid. I've given college speeches for years now, and it was bad during Bush. Um, but And then there was nothing during Obama, I think, because college leftists didn't know what their chant should be. They needed a chant, like Bush lied, kids died, and they didn't have a chant for it. So Obama years were, those were the easiest thing thing ever. Um, And whoa, has it come back now. But I mean, I think what's going on with Berkeley, when you have, uh, it shows how radical the universities are generally. I mean, what you're talking about, I agree with, yes, they want to destroy and and squelch conservative speech. But there is a separate issue with the universities right now when you have Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Howard, um, um, Bill Maher, Joy Behar, and so on and so forth, when they're all saying, oh, get over yourselves, Berkeley, we have a First Amendment. People have fought and died for the right to free speech of the college Republicans, really, in this case. They're a student group. I'm not just, you know, some homeless person wandering onto the square, and, and, and but, but I'd be allowed to speak then, too. Um, uh, they are really outside the mainstream. They are publicly Forget that this is where the free speech movement started. The amount of money they get from the state and the federal government. But all of the people who should have been standing up for the First Amendment here all ran away with their tails between their legs.
That was Ann Coulter and Harvey Levin, who is uh, from TMZ. He's also become a friend of mine. Harvey is a very, very interesting guy. And I don't even know where he stands politically, but he's one of the the few people in Hollywood that just took a very strong stand for freedom of speech. We see what's happening with with Milo, and and he wanted to speak out in, in Berkeley, the home of the free speech movement. And Coulter was supposed to give this speech today, and look what happened. I mean, one reason or another, they have to stop. There's total chaos in the case of Milo Yiannopoulos, his event. It almost became a riot for crying out loud. And, you know, here it is again, the left threatening Ann Coulter. It's what I've been calling liberal fascism. Let, let's, let's boycott Rush Limbaugh. Let's boycott Dr. Laura. Let's boycott Glenn Beck. Let's make outrageous allegations from 2003 or four about Sean Hannity two days after Bill O'Reilly is fired. Um, and and the media will run with the cheap headline and not even do a basic rudimentary Google search to see whether or not this woman has a history of lying about me and smearing me uh, for years with the most outrageous claims. Anyway, News Roundup Information Overload. Rick Unger is with us. And he's a senior political contributor. I have no idea how or why at Forbes.com and the, the co-host of the Steel and Unger show, Jonathan Gillum, host of the experts, Navy SEAL, former FBI agent and federal air marshal. Uh, this is your party. Where, where is where are liberal free speech advocates here? Because I doubt liberals are monitoring your show and taping every minute of your show the way they tape every minute of this show, Mr. Unger, sir. Yeah, you're not going to see much of a defense for me for those who are doing that. I, in this instance, have been agreeing with Ann Coulter all along. It's such a waste. You know, I experienced this when I was a kid in college, which is 100 years ago. We had the same thing going on, only it was reversed. You couldn't get liberal speakers on campus. And I thought that was outrageous, and I think it's outrageous now. It doesn't matter what the politics are. We have free speech. Universities are places where you go to learn. All right, let me let me put you on hold because you have a cheap liberal Sports Illustrated football phone you got for free years ago with your subscription. But it's you, an Obama phone. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, no, I think the Obama phone was expensive. It was an iPhone, an Obama phone. Uh, Jonathan Gillum, let's get your take. Well, listen, I think you're absolutely right. And one thing I, I enjoy having Rick, uh, being on here with Rick and the banter back and forth is because I think, Sean, there's becoming a distinction between effective thinkers and the far left fascist communist types. Uh, Rick Unger, you know, he has liberal views, but he's an effective thinker and you can reason with Rick. Rick's not against the Constitution or America. These people, they hate America. They hate the Constitution. They hate the First Amendment as it applies to everyone. And I think 
really, I think it's time for the president to kick the press out of the White House. I would rather him go out or, or put up people on a list, just civilians, to be able to come in there and ask questions during the press briefing with uh, Sean Spicer, and then let the press just get their information either from those people or continue to lie as they are, because Right now, they're in our house, and they're, as far as I can see, the majority of these people are fascists, communists, or just outright liars so they can get uh, advertising. I I mean, we're talking to Rick Unger. Rick Unger is a friend of ours, but he is really liberal. He is friends with all of these people. And (laughs) I I, I don't even know, Rick, you say you don't defend them. Where is your movement? Because your movement is silent. Your movement is non-existent. Did I hear you say I have one of those... Football phones, I love those phones. Look, I well, mean, well, you I have a Sports Illustrated football phone yeah, from I back in the day. <laughs> I did. Oh my so, gosh! So, I mean, there, I have spoken to a lot of people who are progressive, who are liberal, and they agree. This is ridiculous. Freedom of speech is freedom of speech. To get a good education is the reason to go to college, so you can hear points of view from all sides. Decide for yourself who you agree with and who you disagree with. Okay, but this uh, is your you side know, that's not allowing it. Your, your side... Let me ask you this. Have you ever debated Ann Coulter? Uh, only one-on-one over a bunch of drinks. Never in <laughs> You know, I, I wanted to, to talk about a fun event. What was the Christopher Hitchens, I remember? I think it was at a, yeah. a, a David Horowitz, you know, Renaissance weekend event years ago. And I was watching Anne and Christopher Hitchens. They both smoked at the time. And they're smoking cigarettes. They're drinking. <laughs> and everybody is around them, and they're throwing one wise-ass comment back and forth to each other. It was highly entertaining. But see, we all agree that's the way it should be. You don't have to hate people because they disagree with you. My God, imagine how boring this world would be if everybody agreed on everything. Yeah. Let me ask you, um, Jonathan, I mean, where do you think this ends? Do you think finally there's going to be a backlash? Did we finally hit a tipping point? Like I've even said on the air many times, and I hate the guy. I, I, I can't stand Bill Maher. He's everything that I don't like in people. But I, lo- I think he's good for America in this sense, is he survives saying anything he wants. I just want some of that to rub off on conservatives just once. You know, I think, I think Sean, first off, these, these people that we're talking about that are, are trying to stifle the freedom of speech and that are getting in the way of good political discourse, uh, they're a lot smaller of a group, I think, than what people realize. And when I say a smaller of a group, they, are, they have some very powerful people in Washington, D.C., some very powerful people in the media and in, in Hollywood. But when we look at these Antifa people and the people at Berkeley that are protesting, that's a much smaller group uh, than than we let on. It's just that the conservatives don't stand up to these people because we're typically working and we're not out to, and not just conservatives, but hardworking liberals like Rick Unger. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's going to get to a point where hopefully uh, the people will unify. I, I was talking to a group of people with David Webb last night uh, in um, uh, out in New Jersey at a GOP group, and you know, unity is the is the biggest thing. We're not we don't practice unity, and the the more unified we become, uh, the more we're going to be able to stand up to these people when they do stuff like this. Yeah, I got a break. I uh, I even like both of you, and I'd never silence Rick Unger's voice. Well, I can make up allegations right now. It'll probably be, probably be all over the Internet in 30 seconds. Sean Hannity accuses Rick Hunger of something outrageous. And by the way, most people would believe it, Rick, just in case you wanted to know, uh, even if it's false. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. 
If you're ready to get out of the media spin room, you've come to the right place. This is the Sean Hannity Show. You know, if, if the vote's held on Saturday, certainly the votes will be there. But I can tell you that uh, as late as last night and again this morning, uh, some of those undecided uh, members of Congress, uh, primarily on the Republican side, that's all we're counting on at this point, uh, are so close to yes that I'm very optimistic that whether the vote is is tomorrow or Saturday uh, or next week, that the votes will be there to actually uh, pass this to the Senate, make sure that it becomes b- better. It's not necessarily a more conservative bill, but it is a bill that lowers premiums for the American people, allows us to hopefully uh, get on to tax reform uh, in a, a very uh, uh, quick uh, fashion in the coming days. All right, as we continue with Rick Unger and, of course, uh, our good friend Jonathan Gillum, guys, let me ask you. So Congress looks like they're now going to get a, a health care replacement bill. Freedom Caucus on board, whipping the votes as we speak. Uh, this has got to break your liberal weeping heart. But I would think that, Rick Unger, you would realize and admit now that we never got to keep our doctors or plans and we didn't save $2,500 a family a year either. And it was sold on one big lie, wasn't it? Well, there there were certainly lies told. I won't say it was sold on one big lie. And there are improvements that need, need to be made. It's not breaking my heart because, A, it's not going to get through the House. They may be whipping, but they're not getting enough of the moderate Republicans. And even if it does get through the House, it doesn't get through the Senate. People who are aware of what this bill is realize this is just a bailout. Congress is just saying, we can't figure out what to do with it, so you know what? We'll let the nasty politics fall on the states. Good luck, governors. Well, no, no, but but that's such a good point, because they can take their waiver, and they can do what they want, and they can can literally— literally specialize or focus on the special needs of the people in their state based on their the the percentage or population explain of elderly people the, sick explain, people explain what the special needs are when it comes to well, special needs for example for west virginia and, the, and and coal miners maybe they have different needs than people in okay. in other parts of the country maybe yeah, there's some okay and, and maybe you have an, a more elderly population in a place like florida uh jonathan gillum I, you know, this, this again, Sean, I think we talked about this the last time. This, this whole insurance thing that's going on is it's literally killing me as a conservative because I sit back and see how bad politics have gotten when we should just have and ha- should have had a bill ready to present when President Trump came in office. And now myself as a conservative, not an expert in insurance and by any means, I'm sitting back like most conservatives saying, what next? What are they going to screw us on now? Is, this, is there anything going to come out of this? And, you know, the reality is I think President Trump is stuck in the middle of this between the, uh, the establishment on the right and the communists on the left. Mm-hmm. Communists on the left? Really? If you support <laughs> yeah. Obamacare, yeah. you're a communist? Not you. I'm talking about the people at the top of the... Wow. Why do you say not him? He, of course he's a communist. He loved Obama. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, don't call Rick Unger a communist. Why not? Yeah. Rick Unger doesn't like to be called a communist. Jonathan found that out. <laughs> All right. I don't think I I'd want to go there. Oh, you're just a radical status socialist. How's that? Would yes, that make I you happy? So I'm so radical. And you know, the problem is, you know, all you liberals are generous with other people's money. Well, there, there you go. All right. 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. We'll take a quick break. We'll get to your calls next as we continue our News Roundup Information Overload Hour here on The Sean Hannity Show.
if, if the votes held on Saturday, certainly the votes will be there. But I can tell you that uh, as late as last night and again this morning, uh, some of those undecided uh, members of Congress, uh, primarily on the Republican side, that's all we're counting on at this point, uh, are so close to yes that I'm very optimistic that whether the vote is is tomorrow or Saturday uh, or next week, that the votes will be there to actually uh, pass this to the Senate, make sure that it becomes b- better. It's not necessarily a more conservative bill, but it is a bill that lowers premiums for the American people, allows us to hopefully uh, get on to tax reform uh, in a, a very uh, uh, quick uh, fashion in the coming days. All right, as we continue with Rick Unger and, of course, uh, our good friend Jonathan Gillum. Guys, let me ask you. So Congress looks like they're now going to get a, a health care replacement bill. Freedom Caucus on board, whipping the votes as we speak. Uh, this has got to break your liberal weeping heart. But I would think that, Rick Unger, you would realize and admit now that we never got to keep our doctors or plans and we didn't save $2,500 a family a year either, and it was sold on one big lie, wasn't it? Well, there there were certainly lies told. I won't say it was sold on one big lie. And there are improvements that need, need to be made. It's not breaking my heart because, A, it's not going to get through the House. They may be whipping, but they're not getting enough of the moderate Republicans. And even if it does get through the House, it doesn't get through the Senate. People who are aware of what this bill is realize this is just a bailout. Congress is just saying, we can't figure out what to do with it, so you know what? We'll let the nasty politics fall on the states. Good luck, governors. Well, no, no, but but that's such a good point, because they can take their waiver and they can do what they want, and they can can literally, literally specialize or focus on the special needs of the people in their state based on their... the percentage or population explain of elderly people, the, sick explain, people. Explain what the special needs are when it comes to well, medical special and needs. For example, for West Virginia and, and and coal miners. Maybe they have different needs than people in okay. in other parts of the country. Maybe yeah, there's some. Okay, and and maybe you have an, a more elderly population in a place like Florida, uh, Jonathan Gillum. I, you know this this again, Sean. I think we talked about this the last time. This, this whole insurance thing that's going on is. It's literally killing me as a conservative because I sit back and see how bad politics have gotten when we should just have and should have had a bill ready to present when President Trump came in office. And now myself as a conservative, not an expert in insurance by any means, I'm sitting back like most conservatives saying, what next? What are they going to screw us on now? Is this? Is there anything going to come out of this? And, you know, the reality is I think President Trump is stuck in the middle of this between the uh, the establishment on the right and the communists on the left. Communists on the left? Really? If you support yeah. Obamacare, yeah. you're a communist? Not you. I'm talking about the people at the top of the... Wow. Why do you say not him? He, of course he's a communist. He loved Obama. Oh, don't, don't, <laughs> don't call Rick Unger a communist. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Rick Unger doesn't like to be called a communist. Jonathan found that out. <laughs> All right. I don't think I'd want to go there. Oh, you're just a radical statist socialist. How's that? Would yes, that make I you am. happy? So I'm so radical. You know, the problem is, you know, all you liberals are generous with other people's money. Well, there, there you go. All right. 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. We'll take a quick break. We'll get to your calls next as we continue our News Roundup Information Overload Hour here on The Sean Hannity Show. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. Toll-free telephone numbers, 800-941-SHAWN, if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. We're expecting at 10 Eastern tonight when I come on the air on Hannity on Fox that there may be crazy people out in Berkeley, California, the home of free speech, the home. Oh, that's right. 
That's where Ann Coulter can't speak, which is what I've been saying. Freedom of speech in the United States of America. We're now at a, at a tipping point, at a turning point. And I'm trying to rally the call here because you know, mistake. I'm, I'm not going to sit back and let every conservative be silenced by all these liberal fascists. And if we don't take a stand and and protect talk radio and protect the Fox News channel and protect, you know, even websites that will eventually they'll be targeted next to shut them down and, and radical snowflakes in many ways succeeded because they can't create an environment where Ann Coulter is even going to be safe. God bless Ann Coulter. Ann Coulter is willing to go out there and do it, which, you know, it shows a lot of courage on her part because you know what's going to show up there. But anyway, she was supposed to give a, a speech on campus. Sounds pretty harmless, you know, but these radical left wing, you know, destroy Trump, anti free speech fascists out there. That, um, you know, remember the, the same people that started the riot over Milo Yiannopoulos. They don't want him to talk either. Well, who cares who talks? You have radical Islamists that are allowed to talk on, on college campuses. Ahmadinejad, where did he speak? At Columbia, Linda, or was it at uh, NYU? It was Columbia, Columbia, the Ivy League institution. It's unbelievable. You know, this, but the case of the Milo, they started a near riot over his event out in Berkeley. Campus descends into chaos all because they're, they don't want to hear an opposing voice. And they're threatening to do the same thing to Ann Coulter. You know, the, the, the great hypocrisy here is, you know, the radical left, the alt-radical left, and the, their, their accomplices in the media, they love to claim they're tolerant. They're so inclusive. But it's just inaccurate. It's not true. It is an outright lie. That's not who they are. They're just the opposite. Maybe the biggest lie myth that exists out there. You know, the First Amendment, freedom of speech, means nothing to them. To them, it's, well, free speech as long as you agree with them. So the goal is very simple. It's very obvious. No conservative voices in America shall speak in college campuses. You know, how many conservatives get invited to give commencement exercises, even when a Republican president or vice president is asked. I think Mike Pence was asked to do it at Notre Dame, and they're, they're going to protest. Notre Dame? Anyway, the president is speaking at Liberty University this year. Good for him. And I doubt he's going to get booed at Liberty. 90% of campuses he might get booed at. I'm not, you know, I really don't think so in this day. They will be shouted down by the pro-Trump crowd, but, you know, you create an environment. Look, if I'm at a if I'm at a speech or I'm at a commencement address and let's say Obama is speaking, God help me having to sit through that nonsense or Hillary Clinton, I'm going to be respectful. We've never on this program started boycotts against Bill Maher, who has said outrageous, incendiary, over the top things one after another. Now, I've actually gone in the other direction. I've said he has a right to do it. And when he got fired from ABC and politically incorrect, it was conservatives like me, Rush, and Mark that defended him and said, don't fire him. No matter how outrageous the speech is, let him say it. And I had this girl from, what was it, Fox Sports, Linda? Yeah, Fox Sports. She called me a literal, what was it? It was, it was not exactly proper English. A literal what? You say I, I, I have no idea. I don't pay attention to her. She's not worth my time. Well, the F word was in there somewhere. Yeah, well, you know, she's so uh, she's very highbrow. And I'm I'm really messing. I said this is going to take you far in your career. You're a genius. And anyway, then people say, "Well, you work for the same company. You're powerful within that company. You're trying to shut her down. You want to HR her 
to fire her. And I, whoa, slow down here, cowboy. And I actually said on Twitter, I do not want to, I do not support her getting fired. I don't want an investigation. She should be able to say anything she wants. And I ended up supporting her. Katie something is her name. I don't even know. I don't even know who she is. So I just fired back. She took a cheap shot and I took one. You know, I stand up for myself. You know, you got to understand this is this is important to all of us here. Understanding what is going on here. It's it's much bigger than Ann Coulter. It's much bigger than the lies and besmirchment and smears that I've lived through in the last week. It's it's so much bigger. It's it's bigger than Bill O'Reilly. It's bigger than. You know, the times they've gone after Rush or Dr. Laura or or Glenn Beck or Laura Ingram. It's it's just it, there's a level in the age of Trump and an intensity that I've never seen before. And now I'm pretty confident. And I know for sure, because I know people are paid. I wish these people that are paid, we ought to try and find them and interview them. They paid to monitor every word I say on this radio show and every other host, not just me, any other conservative host, I should say. They monitor every hour of TV in, in the hopes that I'll say something that they think is boycottable and they'll try and get me off the air that way. But it's still the same thing. It's liberal fascism. The reason they're doing it is political. They want to live in a society where, where you, ha- you better thread that needle perfectly. And anytime you get it wrong, you're dead. You're done. We're going to get rid of you. Pretty amazing. But that's, that is the environment we're now working and living in. That's why it wasn't an accident. Two days after Bill O'Reilly and Fox News part waves, you know, somebody that has been literally lying about me for well over a decade. I think this event happened in, what, 2004, Linda? When was it? Was he it, might, it might even be 03. Might, might even be 03. I don't even know. I don't even know. That I, that I invited this person back to my hotel. Wow. That you possibly didn't even have. Well, yeah, because we, we we're pretty sure I flew out after the event, which, which is, is what you normally do, which is what I almost always do. If if we're close to home, where am I sleeping, Linda? Home. Yeah, I want to sleep in my own bed. I have landed at airports at three, four, five, six, seven a.m. because I want to sleep in my own bed. I do it all the time, and the the people that are, have been digging into the plane records think that they're almost ninety nine percent sure I did not stay there. So there was no hotel. But it's neither here nor there, the, the history of this person. And then you get into the media and all these news organizations. So you have a person who has been proven to have lied about me repeatedly in the past, slandered me in the past, provable lies, that she makes a wild accusation on a talk show somewhere in Oklahoma. And then all of a sudden the New York Times is calling me, we want a statement. Okay. We give them the history of who this woman is and the lies, provable lies and attacks she's made. Then we give them a statement about the team of lawyers and investigators I've hired. And they say five minutes later, no, thanks. We're not interested. We're not running the story. I haven't told that story yet. The New York Times backed off immediately. And I can tell you what happened. The writer of that column, that article, brought it to their general counsel. Their general counsel said, uh... No, this is a lawsuit waiting to happen. No, thank you. And by the way, some of you people in the media, you might be hearing from friends of mine very, very soon. Very soon. Sooner than you think soon. So stay tuned. I wrote that on Twitter. Did you see my tweet today, Linda? I always see your tweets, boss. Thank you to all my irredeemable, deplorable friends. Stay tuned. 
Now you think you know you, you're smiling because you think you know you don't know what I'm doing. You, I haven't told you what I'm doing yet. You're not even. You're just smiling. Haven't I been here long enough to know already? Don't I know before you know? Ah, it's so annoying. It's a little annoying. It's a little annoying. All right, let me get to um, let me get to the phones. Donna Frederick Mer- Frederick Maryland is next on the Sean Hannity Show. Donna, hi. How are you? Been a long time. Glad you called. Hi, Sean. It is such a pleasure to hear your voice, and I have been a longtime listener. I remember the listener, days when not you listener. Were down at You're a listener. WZNN, and I was not far from you at WZDX, and um, and there were a lot of people I work with down there that was very fond of you. And I want to say I'm thrilled that you're standing up for yourself. I think it's about time we hit them back. It's part of their whole useful idiot mantra. They, they, they're like sharks that, that smell blood in the water, and they're relentless. So I think it's really great. You're pushing back. Hit them hard, and we the people are behind you, Sean. I, I just, well, look, I, as I said to somebody in the media, I said, all I want is a fair shot. Just take a look at this. Just look at it and then tell me, you know, put yourself in my shoes. And it's 2004, th- Linda's saying three, and it's this event, and here's the history of smears, lies, besmirchment, and slander. And you tell me if – and that's the frustrating thing. I mean, it would have taken a, a rudimentary, simple Google search – and here's the, here's the legal question that's that will be investigated deeply. Did the media have an obligation to do even rudimentary, simple, basic background work on one person's statement before they ran with their with their huge headline? Did they have an obligation as a member of the media? Is is there a level of responsibility they should bear? on allegations well that might be that might be ultimately the question we're going to be asking in this case i don't want to give it all away but i'm just i'm trying to lay the groundwork here for what is at stake in other words if somebody for 15 years smears donna and frederick maryland and then that same person comes out with a scurrilous allegation something so outrageous that uh, any media outlet, they say, all right, we're going to report Donna from Frederick, Maryland, is accused of this. But they could have Googled and they could have done rudimentary background work, but they're too lazy and too incompetent and too disrespectful of the truth to even bother a Google search. Do they have a responsibility before they do that? I say they do. They're desperate. Because it's worked for them. Think about the people that work with, like Alan West and uh, Herman Cain, Sarah Palin. You're just another person in the, in the long line of people that they're trying this garbage on because it happens to work for them. I think those days are over. We'll see. There's, uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of good, interesting, fun questions that are raised here in the end. And uh, Donna, I appreciate your kind words. God bless you. Thank you for being uh, out there. We appreciate it. Uh, let's get to our busy phones as we say hi to Ken. Is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, listening to WFLA. What's up, Ken? How are you? Hey, Sean. Hope you're feeling better. Not yet, but I'm getting there a little bit better. Getting there, getting there. Sean, I was just I'm calling regarding the wall. You know, this is an uphill battle for Mr. Trump doing what he's doing. And I, as you know, I live in South Florida, and we we you know we have influx of uh, Cubans coming over the, on the rafts constantly, which you know I, I don't blame them for leaving that country time they had to but with this wall i was wondering why doesn't i'm sure he has i just haven't heard it why doesn't he talk to the people already down there is it an alternative way of 
resolving the problem other than a wall. Like is there some places that wall is not going to be practical <clears throat> where it goes across rivers and stuff, as we know, and it's going to be an uphill battle no matter what for them. But we all need – this country definitely needs some type of border control. And the Coast Guard does what they can out here. And well, it's interesting. Just enforcing the laws, we've got a 17-year low of illegal immigration. Right. So that that's helping. But I actually think that we do need the wall. And uh, that's my own personal opinion. I understand that it's not going to cover the entire 2,200 miles, whatever the length happens to be. But maybe a 1,000 of them, maybe then other ultra-security cameras. You know, there, there's new technology we certainly can use in areas. But having been down there myself as often as I've been, I don't think there's any doubt that you need a wall. But in order to get that wall done, it's going to take so long to build. In the main, I mean, it's already stopped a lot. Since he's been in office, you look at how much has already decreased, which is phenomenal. Just by him scaring him as a new sheriff in town attitude. I'm just thinking for the time being, get the ball rolling. If they can come up with just some alternative method before the wall does get built, just to stop it from slowing it down, doing what they can. And I hope the best for him, and I hope it works out. Well, I appreciate it. Good call. Thank you, Ken. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, Lance, we got about 40 seconds. KRMG. What's up, Lance? How are you? Hi, Sean. How are you today? I'm good, sir. 40 seconds. Yours. Go. Great, great. Well, it's a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for all you do. I'm calling in on the wall as well. I feel like a lot of the conversation surrounding the wall has been tactical. And I think in light of the new voice program and some of the other services that will be provided for victims' families, I'd like to see the narrative shift on the wall being more of a, a memorial or a monument to honor the families of, of the victims of violent crime. Uh, we are a nation of laws. I think that you know, controlling that narrative and creating a symbol. So you're saying victims, maybe like honor these people that have been killed by illegal immigrants and put their names up on the wall? Correct. Correct. This, yeah, this I, I got a roll, but I don't think that's a bad idea. And let those parents know that that we are now that wall was built in honor of their loss and that America is taking it seriously. So other people don't need to suffer the way they have suffered. I can't imagine losing a parent this way. Like we had Steve Ronnebeck on the program yesterday and he lost his 21 year old. So Grant Ronnebeck to a guy that was a criminal alien that had kidnapped and held hostage a woman for a week and was released and not deported. Ted Koppel says Sean Hannity is bad for America. Sean Hannity. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the burner, less lethal pistol launcher, It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now, you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet 
And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance, and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider.